Welcome to episode number 44 of Peak Curiosity. I'm your host, Abigail Carlson. I have a repeat guest this week, Adam Kelsey. This is one of my favorite kinds of episodes where I present some ideas and Adam just responds with his hot takes. This kind of episode is generally what going out to dinner with me turns into, so it's pretty casual. If you want to hear more from Adam and a little bit more of a formal interview situation, you can listen to episode 35. Thank you for listening, and I hope you like it. So welcome back. First of all, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, wanting to get me back on the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been seeing all your hot takes on Instagram. Yeah. And I thought there's no better way than to get popular on the internet yeah. than to have somebody who uh, does hot takes. And <laughs> looks like we might need to pause. Hang on. Anywho, <clears throat> after some technical difficulties. Yeah, we're back. Okay. Is bullying sometimes acceptable? Yeah, it is. Now, in what case would bullying be acceptable? See, here's the thing. It's a, it definitely is a case-by-case situation. I will have to say that bullying is acceptable because it, it allows a couple of things to happen. One, for the individual who it's happening to, you kind of understand where you are on the totem pole at certain, certain places. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how it goes. But can't everyone be at the top? Ooh, no. Mm-mm. Not everybody can be at the top. Okay, that's why the, that's why the top are very few. That's why the people who are in the one percentile are in the one percent for a reason. You know, that's that's tough. Um, when it comes down to the bullying, you know, for see, I was I'll put it like this: a lot of people will misunderstand bullying from what they remember as mostly adults, from anyone who's in the age of uh, forty and older. It was always that bigger bigger kid who was picking on people. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever reason, it's not like that anymore. It's the smaller kid who's picking on the bigger kid now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff is the verbal uh, the verbal abuse, how I can lash out on that person and make fun of them in front of their peers. You know, um, if anybody has ever been into a middle school or high school as in the past 10 years, that's kind of how it is now for sure. Um, so what it used to be when it comes comes to being in terms of the bully, you know, um, that bully would kind of put you in a position like, OK, well, I'm not that big and bad as I think I am. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's some people who think they're, 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 you know, they're kind of, you know, they're, you know, their stuff doesn't stink until you get around somebody who you're like, oh, well, I can't really deal with them the same way that I deal with other people. Um, so bullying kind of, it kind of, it kind of works in a couple of phases, you know, um, unfortunately it's one of those things that, like we said, it's not everybody can be on top. <laughs> just, it's just how it is. Yeah. How do you feel about bullying younger and smaller kids? Like you're a bigger kid. One thing I think about all the time is Ben Shapiro, who complains about being bullied all the time because yeah. he was so much smarter than everyone that mm-hmm. he was in high school at like twelve, right, and then in college at sixteen or something. What well, so? <laughs> so with Ben, uh, I mean, I like his, I like his show. I like some of the things that he says. I'm, I obviously don't agree with everything, um, but he's in a sphere where he was bullied, and now he became in the percentile. He's the top percent of of earners as, as far as like anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, top 10 percent. So now he's on another level where he can say and do the things that he would like to do. Yeah. in in the sense, when he was a child, yeah, he probably got physically bullied and belittled by people and berated. But now he's in the situation where he's in a grown adult. And now he's now the reverse is, is going on. Yeah. He thinks it, he thinks of it as not bullying because, you know, I'm not physically harming anybody. 
but with your words that is and you're using your platform to be able to bully yeah he is uh rude i feel like can you imagine him as a 12 year old he would have been intolerable yes i mean he was so he's one of those smart kids who you know everything and no one can tell you anything Mm -hmm. you know it all okay so you know for him he's uh very hyper intelligent um book smarts all that but when it comes to common sense and street smarts and you know that kind of stuff he doesn't have it he's mm-hmm. not that he's not that kind of guy can he tell you uh read uh, he could probably read any piece of literature front to back cover to cover tell you everything about it but if i were to ask him a simple question uh, just about how your day was going he probably has to give me an elaborate answer yeah is it good or bad ben <laughs> <laughs> you know that's it it's true yeah uh so a couple of weeks ago, you were going off about why men are monogamous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of you have asked me that question. Um, okay. So monogamy is you, you know, being with one particular person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would say now monogamy is something that is based out of necessity for most men. You have a couple of different factors of why. One, you don't have the means to be polygamous. Okay, just you know, for the financial standpoint, that's just not possible for you. Uh, two, I would say that you probably got some woman pregnant out of wedlock, or you're gonna you're having a child out of wedlock. So for you to be, be an honorable man, you decide to marry her. Um, or the the third thing I would say, due to finances, um, you maybe work a position where you only get paid thirty eight thousand dollars a year, and your wife makes twenty six because she's a school teacher, and you're um, you know driving a truck or something like that. So you need two two incomes mm-hmm. to be able to supplement for both of you two and for kids and that kind of purposes. Um, but when I go to explain about why the purpose of why most men are that way, those are the three things that I have. Now, people are like, so what about the men who are not that way? And I'm like, OK, so it goes back to what we're talking about, about the about the upper echelon percentage of guys. OK, and most people, most women for, for sure did not like this. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but it's the it's the honest truth. And we're just <laughs> and I'm just laying it, laying it out there. Some of them don't realize and, I, and I'm speaking in generalities. And for most people who don't understand this. OK, obviously, we're not talking about everybody. We're talking about the general. For the men that are in the top 10 percent of earners, OK, out of like everybody. OK, I'm, these are these are guys who make over one hundred thousand dollars a year um, tax, after taxes, whatever. OK. This is this. I would exclude your your basketball players, your, your your athletes, and things like that. High profile guys. Okay, they cheat, or I would I wouldn't say they cheat. They the the phrase the phrase that Kevin Samuels uses and uh, some other people use in this in this world are um, they don't cheat. They exercise options because they're high value. Okay, and the reason that being is, I'm a guy who made this kind of money. I'm not in the same sphere as. A regular guy in the 99 percent okay mm-hmm. or excuse me in the 90 percent all right at this point now i'm on seen on tv people know who i am i'm a public figure for the most part people know me i don't have to go out here and chase women women come to me so now i'm exercising my options if i want to be with this one or that one or, or whatever it may be and that's what they do and most people especially for a lot of women they're like well that's that doesn't sound right i didn't say it was right <laughs> i'm just stating you about how it goes on now for the men who are in the 90%, like I said, I gave you three reasons of why you're monogamous. For the men who are in the 90%, if you're cheating, you're doing it because you have time on your hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Idle hands are for the devil's work. Okay. You have time on your hands, but you don't have the resources for you to be able to try to keep up that kind of lifestyle. Now, 
I would go to say that a, a lot of women are probably in the position where they're with a man who's in the 90 percentile. Your man doesn't cheat on you because, one, he doesn't have the resources to do so. Okay. <laughs> Two, it's, it's just not going to be easy for him to do that in the first place. And three, one, probably because he doesn't want to. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a couple of different factors. But when you talk about the guys in the top 10 percent, it's easy. You know, it's it's very easy for them to do so with the digital media now and social media. It has allowed a woman from all the way in Nova Scotia to be able to talk to a guy like California with a click of a button. Mm -hmm. It's easy, easy access. Now, for women, on the other hand, they see that as a problem. But for them, it has been the most beneficial thing for them. You can now talk to a guy who lives in California if you live in Nova Scotia. If that's what you really want to do. It used to be a thing for our parents where you would date in the community that you lived in because you didn't have social media. You didn't have a pool to know about somebody who lived in California thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. You know, things have become different now with the advance in social media, feminism, everything else like that to allow people to to be able to do whatever it is they please and choose. OK. So uh, have you ever been on dating apps? Yeah, I have. Uh, what was your experience? Um uh, so for me, in most most places, um, I genu- genuinely got uh, matched with women uh, just off of my physical features. Um, found I was attractive. They thought I was attractive. Uh, and then the number one thing came back to when I when I asked them, why did you uh, swipe right or whatever it may be um, like to match with me? Oh, because you're black. Ooh. Oh, yeah, for sure. For Ooh. sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that was definitely one of the like the n- number one things that I Were got. Were these back. a bunch of white people? Uh, mostly, for, especially out here in Idaho, it was definitely majority majority Caucasian. Um, California, the pool became different, and so I remember. Okay, like I, that's this is what I can tell. Like being in California, because it is so multicultural and diverse, the pool of women is it w- was greater. Okay. At the same time, you're in a place like a metropolitan area like California. Well, here's the thing that you have to compete with as a man. Okay, the Los Angeles Lakers, mm-hmm. the, the, the Los Angeles Clippers, mm-hmm. the the Dodgers. Okay, every other single professional team there is. Not to mention the college and universities mm-hmm. that are there. Okay, so you as a man are having to sit here in a, in a percentile with all these other guys who are in the top ten percent. Pretty hard. Yeah. Okay. You'll get a couple of matches and things like that. But when it comes back to it as me as a man, I'm not in the top 10% at all. And women know that. Okay. I'll swipe on you because you're cute. Okay. But I'm also going to swipe on this other guy who plays at USC. I'm going to swipe on this other guy who plays, you know, professional basketball. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll get to you, sir, Mr. <laughs> regular man, uh, when I feel like it and if I want to, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. How does it make you feel when women say they swiped on you because you were black? Uh, that part... It's something I, I knew, uh, but then at the same time, it's like, ah, it kind of sucks because I feel like you're fetishi- fetishizing me and not really, you don't really care about me necessarily as a person. So it's more about me as my skin, because if I was a white dude, would you still want to talk to me? Sure. You know, like that's a question you got to kind of ask. So it's like, is this a fetish you have or do you actually like me because of me? Yeah. So. Well, there's a good chance on a dating app, it has nothing to do with you. No. It, whether white black no none at all if you saw me if you saw me physically it's like okay i think he's cute okay Mm -hmm. cute cute not cute 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 not cute whatever especially the apps you know it's uh it allows women to be able to filter out at their discretion yes yes no no yes yes no no yes yes no no yeah all that yeah Mm -hmm. dating apps seem to have been a disaster they have been i cannot believe people drastically 
it is <laughs> it has made a lot of people you because in the dating app you want to put out your best foot forward but at the end of the day that's not really you mm-hmm. it, it, it never is you you put the best out in hopes that someone else will like the that part that you put out but there's things that you're hiding that they have to find out still about so it's like um the outside of my house looks really great the lawns kept manicured everything you get inside my house and i i only have a couch and a tv and it's sitting on a cardboard box and my bed's on the floor and i don't have it on a frame right yeah <laughs> looks great from the outside but when you get inside it's kind of run down yep you know so that's kind of what the dating apps are like yeah fair enough should victim blaming be a more popular thing Ooh. <sighs> So I learned from uh, one of my professors, um, a Jewish guy, uh, and uh, out at College of Idaho, um, Dr. Berger, and he told me two, he told me one thing. He said there's only two types of people in this world: um, guilty bystanders and victims. And at the time, I didn't think too much about that until uh, until a few years ago, after I was done with school. And I'm like, wow, okay. Um, because what happens is you're you see a, you see an event going on. Okay, well, let's just let's put it like this. Did you hear about that uh, that girl who got kind of like choked out at uh, Granny's uh, bar downtown? Like apparently, like this this past weekend. Locally. Yeah. No. Uh, a young lady, African American girl. Uh, she was choked out. She, she now she's not dead or anything like that, but she was choked out by a security guard. Now the the story I I haven't fully read up on about why this all happened, but regardless, this man had her in a full on chokehold. <laughs> okay, he's not an officer. He's just. Okay. Uh, he's just like, well, he's not just a guy. He's one of the bouncers there. Mm. But I mean, after the whole George Floyd event, that's not something that you would probably want to have involved where you're like choking somebody out. And, and as a man, why yeah. are you why are you on top of a, a woman choking her out? Um, so back to the back to the victim blaming. Like, we don't know the situation and what got involved and how that happened. Okay, or what transpired for whatever. Um, so people could probably sit there and blame her or blame the the bouncer or whatever it may be and put shame upon them. Oh, I, I, we don't we don't know. OK, um, I feel like most people would sit there and try to blame a victim um, at times because they think that, oh, well, if you could have somehow foreseen this and done this and, you know, done it this way, then you probably wouldn't be in that situation. Yeah, that's really easy for you to say, Captain Hindsight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so when it comes to victim blaming, I would probably go ahead and say, like, it's not a good idea to do. It's not, but we do it. Because somehow along the way, some someone gets in their head like, well, especially in the situations where young women are, are accosted sexually, whatever it may be. Well, I probably shouldn't have worn this dress. I probably shouldn't have walked in that dark alley. I probably shouldn't have been here. All the scenarios you could have thought about after the fact, you know. But who knows, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, to, and to blame somebody for being in a situation like that, like how how can I blame? How can I blame you? You know, you're just you're just existing, you know, to so to blame somebody for you saying, oh, well, if you didn't wear that skirt, that wouldn't have happened to you. That's <laughs> that's pretty hard to say. Yeah. You know, because if you didn't make that right turn, you wouldn't have got hit by that car. How about that? You know? <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree, although sometimes I disagree. Yeah, I yeah. feel like people try to make themselves victims out of a lot of things these days, like I'm overweight. Well, are you putting the food in your mouth? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things. I'm not just talking about rape. No, no, no. Of course not. I went to the extreme, obviously. 
I've listened to a lot of true crime, and a lot of times I was thinking, okay, so first of all, you went to a bar you've never been to alone. Mm-hmm. You were talking with multiple men that you've never met, mm-hmm. and then you went home with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't mean you deserve what you did, but no, you made no, a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, okay, since since we're getting into it, I'll just say, in my personal belief, and this is my hypothesis. I feel like what has what has transpired so far with the feminism movement, it has allowed women to be in a certain sphere that that is acceptable for you to do anything that you want to do without repercussions, mm-hmm. ramifications, or anybody to be able to say anything to you. Nobody can shame you for your weight. Nobody can say anything about what you wear. Nobody can say anything about what you look like, what uh, pronoun that you wish to call yourself, or your, um, uh, I would say that your... Um, your uh, sexual activity okay we're not allowed to say anything about that Mm -mm. okay you got to keep quiet on all those things okay in the same sense because you have become so free and you're allowed to do whatever it is that you want to yeah by all means but there are repercussions that come with said actions a lot of them i feel like i want actually i don't even want to say feel that's not the word i want to use um i believe that a lot of them are in that situation where i am allowed to do everything i want to and nothing's going to happen to me and i can do no wrong and that sets you up for a bad precedent for when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because what has happened is there are certain men out here that have reinforced what they do and condone it. And it makes it acceptable. Now that you have been accepted by 10 people, it's like getting accepted by peers. Okay. If 10 of your peers make it acceptable and they say it's a cool thing and people laugh and joke with it and it's all right, then it must be acceptable for the rest of society as well. So then when you come across that one man who doesn't conform to what your, your rules are, you have a problem with that. You're like, oh, well, you're being insecure because you you checked me on uh, what I was wearing as my outfit. You checked me on the, the character that I am as, as, the, as the female that I am. You you uh, you said something about the way that I speak because I'm, oh, I'm expecting you to speak kind of feminine because you're a woman. But you came at me with a really masculine kind of energy. And at me as a man who's masculine, you as a woman who's supposed to be feminine, it's a little weird to me. So now mm-hmm. we're having a power dynamic, you know. <laughs> um, and so what has transpired was we said in this generation now, it's. A lot of women are in situations where you think they most of them believe that they can basically be men. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and I, I me and Chris talk about this all the time. I feel, uh, I'm like, I can't say I can't say I feel like I believe that. <laughs> so I got I got check my words on this because I believe that I believe that they wish to be that kind of masculine energy because they're told, go get your career, hold off children for however long you want to. You can be free with your body and do whatever you want to. Okay. Now, the things that come with that are if you're free in your 20s and you want to be sexually provocative or whatever, hey, by all means, go for that. You want to start an OnlyFans account? By all means, do whatever you want to. But when you turn 30, and you will, you're waiting for a man to take you seriously. Mm -hmm. Well, Well, how would I, as a man, to take you seriously when you're a former stripper, former OnlyFans girl, whatever it may be? Because. You know? Yeah, and especially if they're expecting a really good man. And especially... <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's a time and place for, like, knowing when someone has put their past behind them. Mm-hmm. But if you pretend, like, pass, do not muddy the waters mm-hmm. and eliminate future mates, the, uh, then you are mistaken. They're very mistaken. So, I would say you and you and Christy are probably more on the traditional side of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
um, uh, I have talked to women about this question and I've asked them, it's like the word submissive. A lot of them hear that and they think control. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of them think control. And I said, I understand where you're coming from with this because you have probably been submissive to the wrong man. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what happens, and they've asked me this, well, how do I know he's the right man? Do some better job vetting him. Do you have a father? Yes. Do you have a brother? Yes. Meet, have them meet him. Oh, I don't know. And here's and here's what happens. And I, and I have to tell it honestly, okay? The reason why most, most women won't have their, their guy meet their dad or their brother is because you already know he's not a good choice. Mm-hmm. You know. I, 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 I have no thought in my mind that women are, women are not stupid by any means, okay? You guys are very, very intelligent, very smart. You guys know exactly what you're doing, and you can manipulate the situation very well. Okay, I have never been a fool about that. I have an older sister, so I understand and I've seen it firsthand. Okay, and and, and as being 31, almost 32 years old, I have seen women firsthand manipulate situations that I'm like, wow, she just got that. (laughs) She just got that guy. Okay, but I believe that most women don't bring certain men around. Now, if you don't have a father, you don't have a brother, you don't have cousins or or other male figures that aren't in the position that they would like to try to sleep with you, you know, then you're in a good you're in a good spot. To bring that guy around for your father, your uncles, or your brother to be able to vet him, to let him know if he's a good guy. Now, for the ones who are in that spot and you don't bring him around, that's because you know that he's not the greatest choice. Mm-hmm. You like him a whole lot. And I use the phrase as the broken wing bird. You're over here trying to fix that guy. You know, I want to fix him. Okay. Because and this, is, and this is where I get to sometimes with it. Sometimes women are a little selfish. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's about me. I want to, I, I, want to fix him i want to help him i want to it's all about you wanting to do something now the question is have you asked him if he wants to be fixed (laughs) no didn't get that far but i want but i want to Mm -hmm. yeah okay so when you went back to like you closing closing your pool off of men if you're in if you're one of these women who are in the only fans or you're one of these strippers or you have a, a muddy past okay it's not to say that you can't get a man at all Okay, that's not, and then we're not saying that. And I'm like I said, I'm not, I'm not uh, degrading anybody for what uh, choices or business they want to go into. Okay, but at the same time, there are repercussions for said business that you go into. If I go into the business of drug dealing, well, my chances of making it out are pretty slim, and the things that can happen to me aren't that great. Okay, mm-hmm. but I chose the profession. That's on me. Okay, now back to the women that we're talking about. I feel like I keep saying Phil. I believe that most women would particularly probably like to settle down one of these days. Have a husband, raise a family, typically speaking. You know, we speak in generalities, okay? But for a lot of the women right now in the West, they are told that hold off children, okay? Enjoy your 20s, have your fun, do your thing, and then when you get into your late 20s or early 30s, you'll find a man. But that point in time is a man who's in his 30s, okay, 30 to 35, I would like to be in a position with a family, and you at 30, or 28, 29, whatever, who's been having fun and gallivanting around the world, why would I want to settle down with you? You're not, a, you're not, a, you're not a great choice. That's not a, that's not a great asset for me. Mm-hmm. Now, the one, the woman who's over here, who's 21, who works at McDonald's is attractive to me, but yet at the same time, you know, yeah, she's not, she maybe isn't what you are. Okay. But yet she's feminine, fit and submissive was what most men want. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to take her versus you. Who's been gallivanting across the world at 29 and you're wanting to settle down now because you're starting to run out of options. Okay. Well, that's not my problem. I'd rather, I'll take the girl who's, who's nine years, your senior, or I mean, nine years, your junior, I'll take her over you. And I'm, I'm seeing that some of the women now are starting to get in positions where you're like, okay, starting to get away from the only fans. 
they're starting to get away from stripping, starting to get away from some of the things. Like, don't get me wrong, the stuff is out there. You know, sex work has been along, you know, you know, since the biblical times, okay? Yeah. You know, it's one of the oldest professions next to panhandling, okay? Um, and like I said, it's not that we're knocking on any of these women or anybody who does this profession, but when you're asking yourself when you want to settle down and actually have a family, is, is that in the best interest for you long term to be able to do the work that you're doing? Because I'm, as me, as a man, especially, and I can speak on most men, I would not want to take a gamble on you as the woman who is seen as the town harlot. Okay. I just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not, cause that's, that's, that's not something I walk around with and people snicker and sneer at me and scoff at me. Like, you know, he, you know, he walk around with now. Yes. We can go back to the biblical days of, you know, when Jesus came to, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? I just forgot. She came to wipe Jesus's feet with her tears. Oh, I don't know her oh. name. Was it a Mary? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> there's multiple. Yeah. Marys. There's, there's multiple Marys. Okay. Now, Jesus didn't cast her out for being who she was. The Pharisees did that. But at the same time, like he understood who she was. And like, it's okay. You know, he said, here, thank you for wiping my feet. Now go forth and do your thing. And that, and that was it. Okay. And he blessed her and everything. All right. But a lot of women are in that position right now where they're wanting to be carefree and vicarious and whatever. Fine. There are ramifications that do come with that later on. If you wish to settle down with a man, because women are judged on their past Men are judged on what they bring. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Now, I think a big piece is our society is trying to say you can be basically everything a man is and mm-hmm. be a woman, mm-hmm. which is impossible to be yeah. all of those things. You can't go get $100,000 of student debt. You can't start a career and get into it and find a spouse and have children before 35 because it's just like not a thing Mm -mm. you cannot be all of those things and i think it's so sad that our society is trying to get women to do that it is and so it's it's getting them to believe that they can basically be men and that's very detrimental to women because we're talking about the nuclear family which was set up in the 40s okay um after world war ii okay you have a mother a father two children or x amount of children okay we have gotten far from that okay and now it's okay for you to be a single mom or baby mama okay raise a child mm-hmm. uh and then you know have your career do your thing okay it's it, we've made that acceptable and honestly it's not okay because back in the day it used to be a thing where me as a man i have you as my wife my children boom here we go okay my children leave the house they go off and have their own children i have grandchildren now okay you're not seeing that anymore what we're seeing is a lot of people running around where i don't want to get married because i for men it's not a great it's not a great financial investment for them right now and most men are seeing that because what what's happening is most women are in the position where if i don't like the guy that i'm dating i will go get another guy and they keep believing that they can Okay, so you, you're 21 and you're dating a guy for four years. You're now 25. I'm not really liking him that much because he's kind of gotten a little stale, soggy, whatever it may be. I move on to the next guy. Okay, you date him for four more years. You're now 28. Okay, I'm not really liking him. He's stale. He's soggy. I'm going to move on to the next guy. Oh, wait. There isn't a next guy. Mm-hmm. It's been two years and I haven't dated anybody. I'm 30 now. Women are at their peak when they're young. Men get better with age. As a, as a man gets older, he gets better because more doors open for men. As a woman gets older, more doors close for her, okay? Because, unfortunately, women are judged on their beauty, okay? 
a man is judged when he starts making more money. Most men don't make uh, don't get to their uh, to their peak in, in money making until they're about 35. OK, so for most women, you're in the situation where you're like, OK, I'm with this guy for a little while. Hopefully he starts making more money. Most women would probably take, particularly tell you that they would like somebody who's either taller than them, a little better looking. OK, or he's more fin- financially savvy than I am. Majority. OK, because most women, they either want somebody who's about their equal or ambitious enough to be better. Yeah, women really tend to marry up. You do. Yeah. Okay. And men, freaking male privilege. Mm-hmm. Men get more attractive the older they get, and it is annoying. Some, some, now, some do. I will, I will tell you some do. Um, and it's, and it's kind of like, well, with money, you know, most people with money, right? Like, if I have more money and I'm older, okay, I, I do more things to take care of myself. So I go to the gym, um, go to those dermatology appointments, take care of my skin, all that kind of stuff. Um, whatever it may be, okay. For most women, you're be- you're very beautiful in a certain age range. Now, not, not to say that older women aren't beautiful or anything like that, but is uh is a J Lo now in her almost fifties the same when she was twenty one? Not even close. Not even close. Is she still beautiful now as an older woman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, but she's not the twenty one year old J Lo. Now, with men, men have no problem dating down. I could be as old as I am and, and date down, okay? Not a problem because a man doesn't care what a woman does for work most of the time. We don't care, you know? <laughs> oh, you told me that you, you're getting this degree and you told me you're doing this. Okay, that's fine. I don't particularly care. Most men don't, okay? Right. They only might care if they're thinking, do I have to pay for those student loans? Correct, okay? <laughs> that's, about, that's about it. When it comes down to the terms of like, because most for men, we're mostly on the logical base of finances and resources, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I spend time with you, that's a piece of resource that I got to give up. If I spend my money on you, that's a resource that I got to give up. Okay. When dealing with most women, it's a, it's a very transactional kind of thing, especially in the dating, dating world. If I take you on this date, what am I getting in return for most, for most men? It's, you know, give and take for most women. They look at it as, Oh, well it's, it's supposed to just be a handshake. Well, I didn't think that I was going to have to do anything with you afterwards. I took you on this nice date. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying that men should go out there uh, or take women on, on dates for them to be able to get something in return. But you are putting an investment in. Now, we know that there's plenty of women who go on dates with guys and they call foodie dates and you have no interest in that man whatsoever. None. It's just a free dinner. Just a free dinner. You'll gladly take his money. You'll gladly take his attention, his affections, whatever it may be. You're never going to call him ever again. Ever. You're happy to take that food. You're, you're happy to take that food, though, for sure. Okay. A lot of men are getting hip to that kind of stuff, and they're like, "Okay, why, 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 why would I take you out?" And a lot of women expect for a man to take them out, show me a good time, and then maybe I'll decide if I want to date you, lady. I know you've done that four times this week, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And especially with the social media stuff, you see it. I, I, you can see an attractive woman, and she's on her Instagram page, and she's out uh, at some sushi restaurant, and you're super glittered up and glammed up. But yet, if you're with your girlfriends, you take you usually would take photos of all you guys, you know, because you want to showcase your girls. Like, hey, we're hot. Okay. But when you're on a date with a guy you don't particularly like or he's not the person that you want him to be, he's the guy taking the photo across the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just pay, just pay close attention. That's it. That's it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So can we even this out? And how about you dig at some guys for a minute? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So for, for guys, okay. The number one thing for you guys to do is to level up yourself. Okay. 
do not sit here and try to spend your resources on women or anything like that. Uh, the number one thing that I know with, with most guys is you're in a situation where one, you either don't match the part that this female is looking for. You're not financially savvy enough to, you know, accommodate her needs. Okay. Uh, or you're short, unfortunately. Okay. Short guys, not that short guys can't get with women. Okay. Because there's short girls out there, but most particular women, even if she's five, two, she would like a man who's six foot taller. How tall is Jordan? Six, one or so. Right. Okay. Yeah. He's tall. Okay. Yep, and I'm five three. Yeah, boom, right there, right there, right there. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, for me, obviously, my girlfriend's six six one. You know, <laughs> uh, so the dynamic there is a little different. But I'm six foot and I'm two hundred and fifty pounds. So I'm, me being two hundred and fifty pounds is almost equivalent to me being like six three. Right. Okay. So that it it averages out that way. All right. For the men in this situation like this, they need to do the the things to, to make them more attractive to women on their own. It is not go out here and spend all your money to get women. You level up on your you level up on your own. That means you start working on yourself in the gym. Okay, start reading more books, uh, get your mind involved, start getting your finances in order, things like that, and then women will come. Okay, most men sit here try to ch- they try to chase women. I've been in that situation where you try to you'll you'll spend your last dollar on a girl to try to impress her, and it's for nothing. You're trying to take her on these lavish dates, go out all these kind of things. And meanwhile, she'll leave you at the door for a good night, goodbye, and then she's calling somebody else to come over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and then you thought you you thought you had something. It wasn't anything. Okay. Unfortunately, like as I see as most women, it's like if a man is going to sit here and give you some free resources, I mean, why not take it? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I look at it like if you ask a girl out and you are financially responsible and you ask to go out to a picnic where you know look i can spend ten dollars on this date mm-hmm. and make it fun if a girl is unwilling to do that then she's not a good dropper yeah it's not worth it at that at that point so here's my thing if i ever were to take a woman out before christy i hope she listens to this too <laughs> if i would ever have taken a girl out prior and i have done this um and i told a girl we're gonna go on this place and go to date and we're gonna go here if she texts me back and says, I don't like that place and we're not going, I'm just not going to text back. I'm not going to meet her. Sure. At all. You're not going to dictate to me to where we're going to go, especially when I know I'm spending the money. The moment that you allow something like that to happen, it's back to when we go back to about the submissiveness. Okay. You're not agreeable. At that point right there, you're. this is the first time I'm taking you out. I told you I'm taking you here. This is the place that we're going. You're saying, I don't like that. I'm choosing. I want to choose something else. Nope. I'm done with you already. Yeah. I mean... It can be different when you're married and we're like, where do you want to go? Like, yeah, 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 it's yeah. different, but first impression being like, no, no, then, no uh-uh. don't Not even, don't even mess with that. Um, so for some of the women to help them out, okay. Cause I know we kind of like sound like we were talking about them a lot and just to help them out in general. Okay. To be able to help you, some of the women out to vet better men, you got to start asking yourself certain questions like what kind of qualities in this man do I want to have for the rest of my life? Okay. Is he a man who's going to provide? Is he going to take care of our children? Is he going to take care of me? Is he going to love me? You know, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Um, excuse me, and is he willing to die for me? Literally, like if jo- if somebody broke into the house, you, you, are you pretty confident that Jordan's going to take care of things? Oh, yeah, Perfect. definitely. Perfect, okay? You ask some other women this question like, well, I, I got this. <laughs> Come on, lady. 
<laughs> Let's be honest. If somebody, if, if a spider is in the room, I know you're calling me to come come kill that spider. Okay, so let's let's be honest with ourselves when we're saying, well, I'm, you know, I'll take care of an intruder if somebody breaks in the house. No, 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 no. You're gonna look to your man like, baby, somebody's downstairs. Like, well, you know, I mean, obviously, there's a bump in the night, and you're like, honey, wake up. Right, right, of course. Yeah, I'm not because it would be weird for you as a, as a, as a woman to look over at your man and ask him that question to do that, and he says, oh, baby, you got this one. You might wake up in the middle of the night and say, hey, well, hold on a dang minute. Okay. Like, uh, you, you, might, you might start to question some things. Yeah. And at that point is when you start to lose respect for that man. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, and I've definitely known that when it comes to women. Like, the moment you guys start to lose respect for a man, it's done. It, yeah. You haven't checked out yet, but you eventually will. The moment you start to lose respect for him, you're no longer, you're no longer, you're, long, you're, you're already thinking about your next option. How do you feel about women carrying guns? Love it. Love it. Christy has a gun. Yep. Everybody knows out there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, she's six, she's six one, but she carries a gun too. Yep. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, I feel like it's something that women should have. I mean, I think anybody should be able to carry if they want to, um, but definitely, especially for women, like, yeah, carry that. You know, uh, it's just an element that you know that you have it in case something were to happen. It's like insurance. Oh yeah. Yeah. It brings me such a peace of mind if i go out without mine i'm like oh my goodness you feel naked yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah know what you mean on that one yeah is gender only a social construct or are there biological reasons for why we tend to fit into our norms and roles oh i'm actually gonna to, i'm gonna say that i don't know that one okay and i'll be honest with you to say that i don't know uh without trying to uh be biased for myself uh, as me is hardwired as a man um it wasn't even uh me thinking about what I, what i needed to do as a man you know or, or the things that i wanted as a man I, I i instantly knew from a young age that i liked women um that i want i wanted to do masculine things um and that was it um biologically speaking that's how everything went down for me that's what i liked that's what i wanted in um it wasn't even something that i uh, I, I chanced it was like okay I, I like this I want to do these kind of things I want to do the more masculine things now uh, gender identity and gender roles I would say are a little bit different right you know because someone someone would say that um, oh a gender role is a man you know a man doesn't cook he, you know his wife cooks for him things like that but that doesn't happen at my house like I, I cook and I cook really well uh, even though Christy's a vegan I make vegan dishes for her mm-hmm. you know and she cooks for me as well so um, the gender roles uh, sometimes you I feel like you do need to adhere to some of them because like it, it goes back to that thing about the, the bump in the night. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not you're not waking Jordan up. I mean, you're waking Jordan up. He's not supposed to be waking you up to go. Oh, baby, go check what, what's going on downstairs. You know, so when so we come, we get the gender roles sometimes. and It's like the things that you think aren't supposed to be. But it's when it fits for you is what we talk about. Right. Yeah. You know, um, changing the changing the tire on the car. You know, you're like, oh, Jordan, can you come do this? You know, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, we know you probably can do it, you know, but at the same time, you're going to ask him, can he, can he do this for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and when it comes to making a meal, baby, can you make me something to eat? Yeah, I kind of got that. You know, yeah. That kind of deal. Sure. Um, I think there's some potential for some things to be social contract constructs. I see that the color pink being seen as feminine is uh, possibly a construct. Okay. But I think when you see children who girls will make a stick, take pick up two sticks and go, mommy stick, daddy stick, they get married and have babies. Like, yeah. that's 
that's a thing that girls do. Guys don't do that. No. Guys will go destroy things with the stick. Yeah. So, like... There just are things that are not conch. I mean, uh, so there, I mean, yeah, I would have to say that since we're talking on that kind of thing, like, yeah, I, so my older sister, she was very tomboyish uh, when she was like young, but when she started to get older, obviously, probably into boys, you know, femininity really came out in her, mm-hmm. you know, um, and she was a very feminine kind of woman. She's married now, but like, yes, that's definitely a fact. Um, I mean, because she would play with the guys and stuff like that, go do stuff with us, but I mean, like she's definitely more on the feminine side of things now for sure you know so i i would i would agree that there's certain certain rules that we adhere to and then certain things we don't yeah how do you feel about the concept of color blindness like someone saying they not they don't see colors mm-hmm. well not like actual colors i mean racially oh that'd be weird yeah because <laughs> uh i've asked i've asked this question before or i've been asked this question before and i and i told the person i was like do you stop at uh red lights and do you do you go at greens <laughs> And they were like, well, yeah. I'm like, all right, then. So you so you do see color, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so when I, when, I, when, I, when I give that example, they're like, well, I just, don't, I just don't see you as like this. And I'm like, you don't see me as black? Like, I am. Like, I mean, because I acknowledge. And when I, when I say that to people, it's like, what you're trying to tell me is you're not, a preju- you're not prejudiced, you're not racist, whatever. That's cool. But for you to say that I don't see color would mean that you're denouncing me as the African American man that I am. Mm-hmm. You're trying to you're trying to you're you're trying to take that away from me so that way you feel okay, you know, mm-hmm. to either do what you're gonna do or say what you're gonna say. Like I I don't see color. I I, I don't see any of that kind of stuff. Okay, what what, what you know? But you, what, what's the flag that's on the back of your truck? Ah, yeah, red, yeah. white, and blue, right? Cool. So you you know what that is, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. Yeah, I used to think like, oh yeah, colorblindness, but really what it, what people mean when they say it is, I treat people the same, mm-hmm. and I don't look at the world through a racial lens. Yeah. That's what they mean. That's but what they mean. It, what it, they sound kind of dumb. It does sound kind of dumb when, <laughs> when you say like, that. I don't see color. I'm like, no, I actually, when I am anywhere, I am taking in the whole person. I'm looking at their skin color. Yeah. I'm looking at how they do their hair. Yeah. I'm looking at how they dress. Yeah, it, it would be it would be absurd for you to sit there and say that you don't see color because, like, you know, like how do you get dressed every day? <laughs> every day right. You know, when the person tries to say like, because you're trying to be politically correct, and that's <laughs> for me sometimes that that gets tough because like I hear people trying to be politically correct with me. And I'm like, honestly, man, just say what you need to say, and I'm not going to take it any kind of way because right now, like, what you're trying to say is not coming out that great, so it sounds even worse. So say what you want to, and then I'll just decipher from there. Um, but we get too politically correct sometimes. Um, and you're like, you know, I, I don't see color. Like, dude, you could just say like, I, I look through, a, I, th- I look through a non-racial lens. Cool. What'd you need to tell me that for in the first place anyways? You know, because that's, that's the next question I would have to ask. Like, oh, you, I don't see color. Great. Where, where's this, where's where this coming from? You know? Yeah. Um, and for someone to denounce that other individual of their identity and their ethnicity, that's like. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a big deal. Like, how can you sit there and tell me that you don't see my color? Like, but yeah, oh, I'm not I'm not prejudiced or racist. Okay, I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. So this kind of nicely segues into one of my uh, topics. Yeah. I read White Fragility over the past couple weeks. How'd you like it? I did not. Not a, not a fan. That would be the answer. I did okay. not. Uh, have you read it? Uh, bits and pieces of skimmed it. Could, yeah. Could, I read. I got through some of the audiobook and I was like, yeah. Well, she makes a couple really big statements in this book. What you got for me? Number one, 
every single white person is racist. Okay, what's the next one? Number two, uh, they're in any situation, any interaction, friendship, marriage, just meeting somebody on the street, mm-hmm. cashier to customer. Mm-hmm. If there is a white or someone person of color if that's a in the interaction then it is a racist interaction like it is not possible if a white person is involved for it not to be racist (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah so back to like last time when we talked about it you know racism is racism is the action i'm taking action against you prejudice is to judge you to, to prejudge so I have made an, I have made an, an association to you off of something else that I believe is correct about you racism would be me trying to adversely affect your life in a negative way because I believe that I am superior to you being inferior to me so that's you know that's the whole thing so me being in me being in line at a at a grocery store and giving money to the cashier there is nowhere in that situation that I that she's that they he or she is being racist towards me whatsoever. Now, if this is a situation where I'm like, hey, um, I'm, I gave you a hundred dollars, and you're like, you you do the little check mark on it to make sure it's good, okay? And you're like, you take it from there, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna scan it. Okay, no big deal, all right? So you you done two things, check that make, that makes sense, that checks out. I'm gonna go take this to somebody else. You taking this to somebody else for? I need them to look at it. Okay, I, I guess that I mean, this makes sense. You know, you don't want people to, to do anything funny with the money. So that's three things that just happened right there. Now you're like, okay, I'm going to get the manager involved. I'll get the manager involved. What are you getting the manager involved for? That's, mm-hmm. that's the fourth thing. Manager gets involved, and now we're in a situation where this could be deemed as racism. Sure. Okay. Or I say at this point, prejudice. Okay. Is my money not good? Do you believe that I have somehow like forged this $100 bill, even though it, you checked it and it, it went brown because that's the color it's supposed to go if it's clean? Okay, it went brown, obviously it's good. And you checked it with another person and you checked it with your manager and you scanned it. You don't want it and now you don't want to take it. Now we will be in a situation where you might be a little prejudiced or racist. Okay? Sure. That's that's one of those deals. You know, me just having a simple interaction with you and me giving you my money and you giving me my change back and I leave and take my goods, there is nowhere in any any involvement in racism in that or prejudice. Like you work at a gro- you work at a grocery store. I'm yeah. coming here to give the money to the grocery store, not even to you. So, right. No. So this is what I appreciated about the book is that she was willing. It wasn't just accusing everyone else of being racist. She was saying, look, I am this too. So it wasn't just accusatory. But on the other hand, it really sounded like she was saying, I actually am super racist and have these really terrible thoughts about black people. And I'm going to project that on everyone else to make me feel better. Because she told this one story how she was interviewing for a new job in a new city. Mm-hmm. And it was an interview that was going to be over multiple days. So she was in the office for a couple of days in a row. Okay. And a couple of the people said, look, we really like you. We super hope you get the job. Just FYI, if you have to move to the city, I would avoid that neighborhood. It's not a good neighborhood. Lots of crime over there. And she, okay. and she thinks, oh, it must be a black neighborhood. And I think... That kind of sounds like you're the racist. <laughs> that's a that's on the that's on the judgment part right there. Yeah. Um, because for her to associate crime with the ethnicity, right? You know that would be like okay, yeah. You're, at that point, yeah, you are being a little prejudiced right there. Yeah. For but sure. How she spun it was, 
you didn't want to just say it. So that makes you the racist. For somehow somebody not even thinking about it in racial terms made them the racist. So mm. this book, yeah, it it was it's a bit of a train wreck. Yeah. And good news, I think I heard she makes seventy five dollars a minute telling white people they're racist. She makes seventy five dollars a minute. Yeah, she like goes to big corporations and gives these big. Uh, speeches well that's that that's that whole white guilt kind of thing though that's exactly what it is you know like okay for for the people who are about 35 and younger it's not not to say that racism is not involved in our world but for most of us it's not a not a very common thing right now even me living here in idaho it's not a common thing for me to be uh um advertised with with racism or anyone being prejudiced to me that's just not what's happening um, do me and Chrissy get looks sometimes? Yeah, but we don't get looks off of me being with her uh, and and whatnot. It's more because she's tall and she's she's very model. She gets looks no matter what. what. She's yeah. gorgeous she is, and tall. Exactly. Okay. And they see me as this big guy. Like, okay, well, this is a, this is a great looking couple together. Yeah. And that's the normal things that we get. Okay, for sure. But as far as us being in a situation where someone's looking at me and they're like, oh my god, look at this white girl with this black guy over here. Like, no, 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 nothing like that has ever occurred. Now, the whole thing with this lady, you know, you know, on the white guilt kind of stuff, I can't do anything about someone feeling bad about what happened to their ancestors. Okay. Yes, my ancestors were slaves, a bunch of people's were, okay, but now you know, for you to feel guilt because somebody did something happened so okay, that's a that's a thing for you, you know, like do you understand that that happened in our world? Yes. All right. Are you doing anything to to combat that? No. All right, then. Well, carry on. If you're doing something to combat it, then by all means, power to you. Does screaming count as doing something? Screaming as far as what? Just like into the internet, like screaming, I'm so racist. No. America is so racist. What does that? So that's the thing. <laughs> it's like you came, you're, you're, you're doing a feel good. I'm feeling good for myself. I just did a great thing right now. I told the world that I was racist and I feel bad about that. Cool. So now we know it and you've owned it. Now people who know you are probably going to judge you further or people are going to be like, yeah, Todd, I knew you were racist already. Okay. <laughs> whatever, it may, whatever it may be. Okay. Um, but now what we're talking about is the, for the people who feel guilty about it and you're wanting to help. Okay. If you feel guilty and you're wanting to help, first of all, why do you feel guilty? I, gotta, I, I Honestly, I was like, why do you feel guilty? You know, cause that would be like me still trying to live on to, uh, um, the, the, the slave, you know, we're, we're, we're not far from that, but I, yeah, I understand like, yeah, we were at one point slaves. Like that was horrible. The American government has never given an apology to African Americans for that. And they're not going to, because it makes them have to sit there in position to be able to say like, yeah, we did that. And we were wrong for that. Psh, American government saying they're wrong for something. No way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Not a thing. Mm-mm, that's not going to happen. What the American government does is they give money to people and tell you, hey, we're sorry for that. Hey, uh, Japan, here's a couple billion dollars, a couple trillion dollars. Sorry about, you know, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Okay. Uh, to the Holocaust, the Jews, even though we didn't actually kill you guys and we got you these, uh, you know, nice little little place in Israel. Here's a couple trillion to help you start a country. That's what that's what America does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna, they're, they put band-aids on gunshot wounds. Yeah. 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 That's true. And this is the thing that I had to think about is, uh, as I was reading, there is this American mythology mm-hmm. uh, with the founding fathers and 
just they're so perfect. George Washington is the most perfect. Yeah. And like you have to come to grips with America has as a country has done bad things. Yeah. You also have to look at are those things necessarily still happening? Mm-hmm. And what are we we trending towards? And when you run into individuals, how do the individuals feel about these things? I think that is makes a big difference. And America as a government is not, it does not have a clean slate. Slavery, no. there's been, um, you know, sterilizing people without their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, people being like, you're just too stupid to have kids. I'm sorry. We're just going to say you're coming in for a checkup. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. You don't have a uterus anymore. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, literally. Yeah. So it's not great. So no. you have to come to terms with it's not perfect, but the ideals are good. So the ideals that they stood for, it depends on who, because at the time when they were building the country, right, you know, most of the, most of the people who came over here, uh, they were supposed to die here. You know, Britain, Britain outcasted these guys and were like, get the heck out of here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they sent them to uh, basically all over the globe. Most of the people who ended up in uh, like Australia and stuff like that, New Zealand, well, especially for Australia, you know, it was, it was basically a prison colony. You, yeah. weren't, you weren't supposed to survive there, and they happened to survive due to the help of the Aborigines. You know, they they helped you out. Okay, mm-hmm. hey, hey, guy, uh, you look different than me, but you're still a man, so what's up? How can I help you out here? And you thrived. In the Americas, it was sent, again, the same thing. You were sent out here to die. You happened to be survivalist and survive on your own and make a way with the help of other people who are already here. <laughs> you know? Um, the country was set up on certain ideals for certain people. Okay. And mm-hmm. that's the only thing I got to remember. It was set, set up for certain people. They did not think that the slaves were going to eventually get freedom. Okay. They didn't think that at one point in time, they thought Britain was going to take over everything, you know, and, and take back over the colonies. Okay. We have our independence free. Boom, boom. We get, we get rolling back on our stuff and it's back to slavery just as normal. Okay. And then it becomes about, fighting for for the slaves you know and most of the time it was about keeping the slaves in check okay how do we keep them for the north it was we, we don't it's not necessarily for us freeing the slaves it's just okay well if we get these guys to be able to vote and have the situation of voter rights okay and we count the slaves as people well the, the south might be able to take over and overtake us you know so that's what it was oh about. interesting okay right because if you start counting, if you start counting count slaves the as people, people. <laughs> uh huh, if you count them as people, uh-huh. now all of a sudden now you well, got and votes and votes, yeah. So now you have more votes because more because more slave slaveholders were down in the southern states mm-hmm. versus northern states. Cause, and then at one point, the North outlawed slavery in the North. So if you're in a, if you're a southerner, it came down to voting. Oh well, if we count if you count my slaves as people, I got votes. So mm-hmm. now I can so now I can turn this you know uh, I can turn the uh, the Confederacy into a nation Confederacy instead of a nation union. You know, um, so that's one deal I always I always remember about that part. Um, now the ideals that we have are they're just outdated. That's all it is. the The initial response for us, what we set everything up on, were good for that particular point in time. They have now been outdated because I, there was no way the founding fathers could have foreseen any of this. No, none. They did not know Facebook was going to be a thing. No, right. How do you feel about the Bill of Rights? Because I think the Constitution, and it it just not has not held up. There's too many loopholes for um, everything. Yeah. And a lot of 
unelected people to have lots of power. Yeah. There's too many loopholes. But the Bill of Rights seems to be a solid ideal for uh, me. Um, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously, for the Bill of Rights, it being being set up the way it was, right? So you have this structure that a bunch of guys got together, you know, uh, and basically said, this is what we're coming up with. Okay, and they're set with, these are set rules that we're going to have to govern the people and go by. And honestly, it's like anything else. You do the best that you can with what you got and what you believe, but nowhere along the line were guys thinking 300 years down the line. Yeah. You, you, I mean, it, that's, that's not a process that you come up with at that time. I'm not thinking about 300 years of a generation that's not even here. You know, I'm thinking about my kids right now, you know, the next 50, the next 100. And then when they get there, they can figure it out. And that's kind of how we've been going about it. None of us can sit here and foresee what's going to happen in 100 years from now. I mean, for me being 31, almost 32, it's like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen here in 68 years for me to make it to 100. You know, the the I mean, it's possible I can make it, but the laws that could change in those next 68 could be drastic. Yeah. You know, I mean, just look at what happened uh, for segregation in 64, you know, I think 64. Okay. Obviously, after the, after segregation was done. Boom, here we go on to the next next bit of thing, okay? And well, now we're integrating ourselves, okay? We're starting for the integration process. We keep that going, okay? And there was a big backlash on that because for a while, right, you know, people weren't, you can't, uh, colored, colored and whites can't use the same bathroom. You can't drink from the same drinking fountain. You can't go to the same school. You can't ride the same bus. And if you do, the colors sit in the back, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what it was. Like, they weren't thinking, the founding fathers, they weren't thinking of the process going forward. You know, so that's just things now we we do need to change. So there are some writings of the founding fathers kind of being like, look, we either we're kind of making a political stance of we either get our country or we free the slaves. But I think that they felt like to make a union big enough to have enough power, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a thing that could be done at that moment, which is a horrible option like two bad options right yeah but it there were i've read some of the writings about like what are we gonna do about this literally um like i was talking about earlier my professor dr Berger, uh, he literally explained it like this it was like okay after we free the slaves for the north because the north didn't want them either right. they, they didn't want them up north so what do you do with all these people millions okay millions of people yeah that are for the most part not super educated Okay, because you kept them illiterate. Okay, they're great craftsmen and do great work. Okay, but what do you do with them now that you have freed them? I don't know. All right, perfect. The slave owner said, "You know what? I got a great, great, great idea. Sharecropping. Let's start that. Now you're now you're a sharecropper for me because you can't go anywhere." The the southern government said, "You know, we're gonna start a we're gonna start a series of laws called vagrancy laws." Okay, now that you're a vagrant and you get picked up, you either gonna go to jail or we're gonna send you back to the plantation. Cool. You'll do your time there. Well, how much time am I going to do? As much time as you got left on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. Sharecropping, the whole the whole post-Civil War, it was a train wreck. Oh, yeah. And it was Johnson, but I can't remember his first name as a president. I listened to an audio drama, mm-hmm. which is very good, called 1965. It is a, in podcast form. Okay. It is... A full audio drama where you have sound effects, different voices for the different people. And it just basically follows John Wilkes Booth. And it's right after the assassination of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And how Johnson 
was horrible. And I think Johnson was vice president in a, what's the word? Just like a reaching out to the Democrats to be like, let's be on the same team. I'm making an example of making a stronger union. Mm -hmm. But it didn't turn out well because he was super racist. And so, like, if it hadn't been for him, I think if Lincoln had survived... Very, I think it would have gone very differently. At this point now, it's like who's yeah. who's to say, you know, um, where we are where we are now with things are obviously there's a couple of turning points uh, in our lives and things like that. But like people are like, well, look what we had we had Barack Obama as our first African American president, yeah, and he's gonna be the probably gonna be the last. You think so? I don't really I don't really foresee them putting another African American in office. In 2008, when he got elected president. I lived in Arizona, and I remember a lot of white guys were like, they were scared. Like, hmm. them being legitimately ter- terrified that this black man was coming to office because it went back to the white guilt. Mm-hmm. They went back to the thing that they think that most black people were going to do. Because of what we did to you at certain points in our, in your, in our lives, we feel like you're going to do that to us. That is not the case <laughs> at all. It's crazy for, for people to think that kind of way because it's like, okay, first of all, you had us living in your house. There's no way in heck I want you living in my house now in, 2000, in 2008. <laughs> right. Talking about serve me grits, okay? Fix me a plate. Get my get my things ready. All that kind of stuff. That's, that's, not, that's not how it goes. That's yeah. not, it's, and it's never been that way for African Americans. We don't have a history of us mass murdering people <laughs> for any reason whatsoever. We don't. We don't. It, as far as our nation is concerned, we don't have a history of just going out and murdering people. Now, people say that, that black people murder people. Yeah, when we were trying to revolt and get, and get free, okay? Was it a situation we, we just sat out there and had mass lynchings? No. Yeah. We didn't bomb We didn't bomb uh, America's Wall Street, but they definitely bombed ours. It's true. I am not a pro-government person. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Jordan often has to talk me off the ledge of anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I talk about that all the time. Um, I always tell, I mean, I, I make jokes about it, but I honestly, sometimes I'm kind of serious. Uh, I, I tell, I tell people, I said, if I ever, you know, rose to power or got money, yeah, watch out. <laughs> Definitely watch out. Uh, cause, um, I mean, me on the grant in the grand scheme of things, I understand exactly who I would be. I'm a world dictator. Mm-mm. Like, uh, kind of like Emperor Palpatine, you know, in, in, in Star Wars. I'm trying to rule the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. Yeah, so that's why, and I mean, this is a fair critique of me to say that I'm projecting. Mm -hmm. But when I look at myself, I think, you know, if I was in charge of America, yeah, I would dictate. Yeah. Like, it's just knowing that with all the power comes being able to tell people what to do. And it's just such a terrible idea. It just doesn't go well. No, you'll never be in a situation where it goes well with you telling people what to do. Most people don't like that. But at the same time, people like being told what to do and what to think. Some people do because it takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah. So I was actually listening to an audiobook today called In Order to Live by Yeonmi Park. She mm-hmm. is a defector from North Korea. Okay. She's like 28 and has is has read more books than me, has like written at least one book, maybe two, I forget and has gone to Colombia, and she only started, like, learning how to read when she was 17. So, anyway. How did she get out? Um, 
they got out through sex traffickers right on the border to China. It's such a train wreck. They weren't told, obviously, that they would be sold into sex slavery, but they knew that they could get into China. They didn't know that that meant sex slavery. Okay. So they got into China, then they're slaves for a couple years. Then they're able to get rescued by some Christian missionaries there. And then they're sent to Mongolia. Mongolia and South Korea appeared to have a bit of a good relationship when it came to North Koreans. Okay. So then they went to South Korea, and that's where she got her GED. Oh, okay, nice. Um, but she was describing, and it really was surprising to me, how in South Korea was her first experience of having any sort of freedom. Mm-hmm. And there were many points where she kind of felt like it was easier when someone told me what to think and told me what to do. But when I'm having to make my own decisions, I'm given this much money to live. They were given money by the government in South Korea. And just having to make all of these decisions that it was really, really hard and that there were moments where she wished she hadn't, which is crazy. Oh, wow. I mean, to think about the fact that you like, okay, you know what? For me to be able to get out of my country, I'll I'll get sold into slavery. Yeah. I'll take it. I mean, because what else? I mean, obviously they didn't know it. They were going to get sold into slavery, obviously. But at the same time, you're like, how do I get out of here? I'll take whatever means I can get to get out of here. Yeah. By any means. Is there a particular amendment in the Bill of Rights that you would like to change? Mm, the fifth. Oh. Why are you not into the fifth? Let me make sure I know which one that the is. The Fifth Amendment provides several protections for people accused of crimes. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, we are talking about the right one. Yeah, it states that serious criminal charges must be started by a grand jury. Mm-hmm. A person cannot be tried twice for the same offense. Or have any property taken away without just compensation. People have the right against self-incrimination and cannot be imprisoned without due process of law. Okay. My things about that one are going to be simple about the grand jury. Okay. When I, when I think about the, a jury of your peers, people who know you, right? But they consider the peers as the people in the community. Mm-hmm. Well, you could prejudge me in my community and I could be in a situation where now I am going under the jail for something that i hadn't done so do you think it should be actually people you know that's interesting yeah (laughs) i mean because i mean they're not necessarily biased at the same time they know you but at the same time they're also in a situation like well let me hear the crime you committed sure so that's how i think about that one Hmm. that's interesting any others Mm, give me number eight the Eighth Amendment bars excessive bail and fines and cruel and unusual punishment. Mm. So, for the Bill of Rights, that's not held up when they went to Guantanamo Bay, right? Like, because you're under like military jurisdiction and stuff like that. So you're yeah. at that point now. That's a kind of a UN kind of deal, you know? Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, bad things happen there. Right. You know. Um, so for that part, right. Are, are soldiers who commit war crimes held accountable for that kind of stuff? I would like to hope so. Right. But with number, with number eight, you probably might not be. Yeah. Hmm. How do you feel about the cruel and unusual punishment? Okay. So there's a, there's a story about this. I'm trying to remember. It's a country in Africa. I think it's off the coast somewhere. They... And f- folks, if you guys can get the story correct, hopefully that's right. But if I'm saying this wrong, forgive me. Apparently, there was a story that I read that one of the articles, there's a country in Africa um, off the coast, or it's a small island or something like that, 
where if a man was to commit adultery or he was, or I think it's a, I think it's rape. I think it's rape. Okay. If he were to commit rape, there's an island out there in the middle of everything. They cut your Achilles tendon and they have you swim in the ocean. If you can make it to the shore, you're free. Oh my okay? gosh. They, they just cut it real quick. Okay. I, I've heard the story numerous times. Okay. That's why I'm saying it now. But if you can make it there, you're free. In most situations, most of the guys don't make it because obviously we're talking about they're out there and what's in Dang. the ocean, sharks. So a lot of guys don't make it, you yep. know, but if you do make it, then you're probably, you know, in a good spot. Um, but other than other than that, like it's um, I see I saw I heard about that story and I was like, OK, so cruel and unusual punishment. I'm like, mm, it's not so bad. But then there's some punishments that we have out there that you hear about in other countries like Sharia law. Now, what the kind of things that they do over there? They're like, oh, stoning people to death. Do you really want that? You know, now, and for us in the States, we'll, we'll say like, oh, man, you know, kill those serial killers and rapists and people who uh, commit, um, you know, pedophilia and stuff like that. And we say to kill them. But at the same time, there's men we know out here who have committed such a, such acts. And we might not say it's to the, the level of degree that we see some of the people go to jail for. But did you, maybe were you 21 trying to talk to a girl who was 16, 17, you know, were you, were you baiting her? You know, were you in a situation where you were, uh, an older woman where you were with a younger man, you know, any kind of thing like that. So, I mean, when we talk about the cruel and unusual punishment, kind of got to be a little careful and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like solitary confinement shouldn't be a thing anymore. Cause no one, no one should be left to their own devices for that long period. You know, because, I mean, the conditions that they put them in, first and foremost, are horrendous. You know, you're in a small little cell in the dark or they leave the lights on, whatever. To, to, basically, to torture It is you. torture. It is torture. And I, it is probably effective punishment because it's very miserable. But I would imagine that if you're the kind of person who is behaving in a way that apparently quote requires you to be put into solitary confinement mm -hmm. putting him in them in a situation that will make an emotionally balanced person go insane yeah probably isn't the smartest choice no i wouldn't uh i, I mean excuse me, not, well, not that i wouldn't agree I, I i do agree with you on that one um the whole thing about when it comes to our correctional facility and our institutions for that the whole purpose was for us to be able to rehabil uh, rehabilitate people to come back to society yes if you put them in positions where you're going to basically berate them, put them down, um, turn them into animals, how did you rehabil rehabilitate them? You didn't. You turned them into monsters. Okay. And then you set them free back onto the, back into the world and you expected them not to go and be a monster. Mm -hmm. So the whole purpose of our, our institutions is to be able to take people off the, off the streets for a crime they committed. Okay. Fair enough. But yet we put people who commit white collar crimes uh, in the same pool as someone who uh, committed a murder or someone who sold drugs. You're on the same level as someone who's a pedophile, you know, and so your crime doesn't always equal or out or your crime doesn't always equal the punishment. You know, it's not really one of those kind of deals, um, because what we're seeing now are a number of affluent and wealthy white business owners starting to get into the cannabis game. Okay, mm -hmm. and you're turning a profit, but yet we still have plenty of minorities that are in prison for the same thing. Yeah. Th okay, that needs to be fixed. Right. 
if you're going to make the thing legal, yeah. take the people who did the thing out of jail. That's all. I mean, for me at that point, when you're, when you're going to say, hey, this guy sold, sold cannabis back in, you know, 2002 when it was illegal. Okay, cool. And now it's been almost, you know, uh, 19 years later and this guy's starting a business for it and he's making billions of dollars or millions of dollars off of it. And it's not a problem. No one bats an eye. And he's getting a commercial for it. He's getting his own billboard up somewhere. But yet somebody else almost 19 years ago was in jail for it for 20 more years. Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. No, not whatsoever. Mm -mm. Do you feel like high school sports are really important? I do. A lot of the stuff when it comes to high school sports, especially I'm speaking, I'm a little biased right now because I'm a high school coach. Um, Right now, I think it's a very pivotal time for a lot of kids to want to join that one just to build a sense of awareness about you as an individual, you know, um, to also put you in a, in a, in a place where you can meet other people who aren't like yourself, aren't like your family, aren't like your friends. Um, I realized when I got to college and obviously all the colleges that I've gone to over the years, I've met a bunch of different guys and I met people, especially when it came to the college of Idaho, I met guys who had never encountered any other African-Americans until they came to the college of Idaho. And like, I knew guys who went, who were in small towns in Emmett, you know, I won't say his name. He's a great guy. <laughs> uh, one of my really good friends. Um, and he hadn't really known about too many African-Americans until he had come to the College of Idaho because most of us were from California, other places and things like that. And he met us through there. His views of the world changed drastically when he started getting in around us and interacting with us. His views from his parents and things like that were one way. And all of a sudden he starts hanging around us. And he's like, OK, you guys are not like what I've heard or what I would see on TV or what people have told me about people who look like you. I now have met people who look like you and you guys are super cool. And I really I really respect and like you guys. Um, on that level as well, when it comes to sports and being in a position where you can be athletic, competitive, uh, all of that, you know, uh, gives you a competitive edge. You know, do you, do you wanna win this game? Do you wanna work hard? Things like that. I remember being young and not realizing that's the kind of stuff that pushes you to be better. You know, um, plus on competition, like, okay, hey, this guy, you know, benches 300 pounds. Well, I I, want to do that and I want to do more. So how do I work hard to be able to beat him, especially in that kind of competitive level as well? So I I would agree that uh, high school sports are definitely, you know, like really needed for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't think I can honestly disagree with anything you said. Okay. I suppose we should move on. Yeah. What is your favorite body of water? Uh, probably a pool. A pool? Okay. Yeah. I'm not terrified of large bodies of water. I just realized that being out in the ocean, I know what's out there. Sure. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a matter of, you know, where they are. It's when are they coming. It's a lot safer in a pool. Yeah. I mean, but like, I don't know if anybody else had that fear when they were a kid that you get into the pool and you look out into the deep end and you think there's a great white shark out there or there's a shark up. I don't know what that is. I don't, I've never felt that in a pool. No. But I am pretty scared of the ocean. Okay. And I'm not super fond of uh, slimy lakes where the ground is all gross when you step in there. Oh, yeah, in the shallow wind. Yeah, I'm not a fan yeah. of that. Like, touch- I'll swim out swim out to where I can't touch. And like, oh, that, cool. like that algae that touches your feet? Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah. What's the most embar- embarrassing thing you've ever done? Okay. <laughs> All right, so me not knowing anything, I remember one time asking one of my girlfriends, she wanted me to go to the store to get her tampons. No, no big deal, okay? I can do that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a guy. I can do this. 
And as I'm in the aisle picking these things up, I'm looking at like the the boxes and I'm like, one of them has colors and things like that. I'm like, okay. I'm like, so I'm like, I don't know which one to get. I call her and I'm like, so this one has a lemon flavor and this one has an orange flavor. Which, which flavor do you want? What? Were you, what? I'm not, I'm not kidding. I can't make this up. I'm not that good. But yeah, I asked her, what flavor did you want? And she was like, what are you talking about? She's like, they don't come in flavor. I'm like, well, this one says it's cool breeze. And this one says something else. And she was just like, they're not like, uh, they're not flavors. She's like, I'm not putting it in my mouth. I'm like, I get that. But like thinking sense. Yeah. Okay. I was completely lost. Completely lost. So yeah. I, I had a FaceTime her and she was like, just get these things. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. That's definitely my most embarrassing moment for sure. I would like to share my most embarrassing Oh, please. Moment. Let me hear this. I think this is it. So um, I played volleyball in our homeschool league, which was small. Okay. We had one game where there had to have been around 100 people there. And you know how after a game, you will line up at the back and yeah. switch sides? Okay. So I was the leader on my team. And the referee blew the whistle for something else that did not mean switch sides, but I took off running and then about four or five steps in, I realized, wait, the whistle wasn't for that. And I panicked and turned around and the girl behind me was a very strong girl who had was very well trained Uh in, um, what's it called? Judo. Okay. And she wiped me out so hard and (laughs) the entire gym just goes, (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> just gasp for you just gasp and i just laid out on the on the ground like what yeah that's okay. my most embarrassing okay moment. yeah that's that's pretty embarrassing i think that kind of tops mine like my embarrassment was by myself with somebody else your embarrassment was seen by multiple people mm-hmm. yeah no, yeah it was you, pretty you got bad me beat for sure and i'm okay with looking stupid i'm really stupid most of the time but it that. was just that the audible gasp of the entire crowd that was uh, which makes you feel like it. this small yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite animal? So, uh, my favorite animal is honestly going to be a shark. You know, oh. we're talking about like. You don't like them? I, I like sharks. I love them. Uh, but I think sharks are like one of the most fascinating creatures out there, you know, uh, because they're, they have been around since they're, they're dinosaurs. You know, they've been around forever roaming the ocean. You know, for millions of years. So, like, I mean, for them, they're, they're one of the top, like, killing predators in the in the ocean. Top apex predators. So, like, I, I really like sharks. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself? Cats. Really? Yeah. Like, like any kind of, like, big cats or just, like, house cats? I really like house cats. Okay. I like big cats, although I they're just too scary. Oh, I mean, I think terrifying. they probably have the same personality of house cats. And I would imagine that if that they would really like a human if they were raised by a human, but they're still very, very dangerous animals. Yes. And you know how a cat will need your arm and it hurts. I mean, come on, imagine a lion doing that. You're dead. Yeah, you, that doesn't sound like that doesn't so sound pleasant to me. Even at all. if they're happy to see you, they can still just destroy you. Yeah, I know people who have servals. Yeah, know. those can still kill you, but they're super cool. They are. You know, and the caracals as well, like the thing that looks kind of like a puma. Mm-hmm. You know, those are pretty cool looking, but like 
those things are like almost the size of a dog. Yeah. And a pretty decent sized dog at that. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if I really want that roaming around my house late at night. The cool thing that would be cool, and I told my roommates that I wanted this, um, I wanted a um, Asian water monitor. Okay, Google. Asian. They get huge. It's basically like a Komodo dragon, but it's not venomous as much because it doesn't have toxic oh, saliva. Oh, ick. <laughs> I hate reptiles. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool. Like, I thought I, I, when I was in California, we went to this place called the Reptile House. Uh, and they had an Asian water monitor there. It was like he was six feet long. His name was Frank, and we got to feed him chicken. It was cool. A whole live chicken? No, nah, just bits and pieces of okay. chicken. So he he was like so docile that he would take it out of your hands. Oh. Uh, and it was cool because I thought he was like he would like nip at my hand. He's like, nah, this this guy's been fed by people by hand a long time. He knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, they're creeps. Yeah. I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps me up. Thanks for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Should you plug your Instagram again? Yeah, uh, you can find me on AlphaFit007, um, and uh, anything you need from there, you can find me at FatboyFit007 at YouTube. Yep. And uh, if you want more of the hot takes, Instagram is the place to go. For sure, for sure. Yeah, okay. See ya.